Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> well, it is good to be here this morning, isn't it? I just tell you what, this, uh, in our world today, people are uh, looking, having all sorts of troubles and difficulties, and I'm glad that... We won't spend eternity here, aren't you? But we will spend eternity with Christ where He will reign. And He'll reign forever. Uh, All our troubles will be gone. We're going to be looking today in 2 John and really going to pick up from where we left off last week and and try to go forward in 2 John. I want to go ahead and make mention next week is Gideon Sunday uh, here at Hemp Town where uh, during the service... uh, Really, probably right after the prayer, then, uh, we'll have a Gideon speaker who will uh, share for about 10 minutes and share the work of the Gideons, which I think they do a great work at the end of the service. We'll receive an offering that will go uh, to the Gideons that is really to, uh, their whole work is spreading God's word, and it's by passing out Bibles. That's how they do it. And so, uh, but I uh, just want to go ahead and, and Remind you of that and tell you that so you'll be prepared next week uh, for, for Gideon Sunday. You know what that means when I'm saying you'll be prepared? That means you'll be ready to bring a checkbook or some money or something to give uh, to help spread uh, help spread God's Word. Uh, but we're going to be looking this morning in 2 John. And the message I'm going to be preaching next Sunday, what I'm planning right now, unless that changes, we're just going to look at God's Word. And, and we're going to look at... Uh, uh, what God's Word says about God's Word. You know, and that it is God's Word. And uh, we'll be uh, looking at that next week. How we got the Bible. How we got God's Word. But uh, last week, we started out looking in 2 John. And really started looking at this thing of truth and love. And we saw last week as uh, that within, within here, within the second epistle of John. And we are looking at the second epistle of John over toward the end of the uh, New Testament, not the Gospel of John, uh, that's the fourth of the, uh, one of the Gospel, but John's second letter, there he, we see that this thing of love and truth just mesh together. You cannot have love without truth, and you cannot have truth without love. You know, today, we have a distorted view of love. So many people want to think that uh, love is uh, just a an erotic feeling, you know, that's uh, one kind of extreme. The other extreme of love is that um, you need to accept and approve of every sinful act someone does if you love them. And neither of those things are the case. That, uh, those, that, I guess that, uh, that second view is really the politically correct view today in America that, oh, well, if you're going to if you're going to love someone, then you're going to accept and approve of all their all their beliefs, all their sinful acts. But neither of those are the case. And we saw last week how that that 
We saw last week how that um, the perfect marriage of truth and love came when Jesus came, right? Jesus, he demonstrated his love to us in that he was willing to die on the cross for us. But not only did he demonstrate his love to us and died on the cross for us, but he died for our sin. You know, he had to pay the payment except God's wrath. We see he even demonstrated that when he spoke with a woman who was convicted or that they brought to him that, that had committed adultery. And the Bible said that he said, where are your accusers? Right? As he began to draw on the ground and everyone left, he said, where are your accusers? And he said, well, I'm not going to accuse you either. You know, that was showing love and mercy. But then what did he do? He said, go and sin no more. He was saying, you can't continue living in that sin. You know, he was preaching truth. We saw, see that perfect marriage in Jesus. You know, last week we looked at the preamble of this, uh, of, of this truth, the preamble of truth. And as we see the preamble of truth, we saw in those uh, first few verses, John started out in verse 1, the, uh, the elder to the elect lady of your children, who I love in truth. It was all about truth and love. And not only I, but also all those uh, have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. You know, John was writing this letter. Uh, some would uh, say is uh, to a person, but uh, some would believe it was to the church. And really, I think it is. To, he was writing it to the church the, uh, there. And he, he begins to share with them in verse 3. He says, grace, mercy, and peace. And we looked at last week how that, that was a, there was a progression there. You know, because we have experienced the grace of God, we experience the mercy of God, right? Because of his grace, what he did by dying on the cross for us, we experience the mercy of God. We do not have to experience the wrath of God. And then it says, and peace. You know, that we have peace with God because we have experienced His grace and we have experienced His mercy, so we have His peace. He says, we'll be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, uh, in truth and love. And so we look there, kind of the, the, the preamble of, of truth, and today we're going to start with verse 4, and we'll begin looking at the practice of, of truth and love. But uh, let's, everyone that will, let's all stand and we'll begin reading there at verse 4. We'll read 4 through 6 and then we will uh, uh, begin, uh, begin preaching the message there. The Bible says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you shall walk in it. Let's all pray. Lord, I just pray today as we look in your word, God. Lord, I pray most of all, God, that you'll be exalted. 
God, I pray for each one of us here. Lord, help us to hear your word. God, I pray that your word would change our lives. God, convict us where we failed you. Lord, help us to see, Lord, your love. Lord, help us to see, Lord, that we need to live in your truth. God, I just pray, Lord, for your anointing this morning, God, to preach your word. God, give me your wisdom. God, give me your strength. Lord, I pray that each thing that needs to be said, God, that I would have the courage to say. God, I pray that each thing that needs to be left alone, God, I'd have the wisdom to lead it alone. God, I pray that you'd work in this place in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. You know, here as we look at uh, the truth practiced in verse 4, we'll start out, he says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth. We have received, uh, as we receive commandment from the Father. You know, here as he said, I found some of your children walking in the truth, we would have to assume that there were others who were not walking in the truth. And the first question that we need to ask, in uh, that, that would beg us to ask, are we walking in the truth? And then he goes on from there, and John moves from the issue of truth, he moves on to the issue of love. Verse 5, he said, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have have uh, had from the beginning that we love one another. You know, he moves from truth and he moves to love. And he says, I'm giving you a commandment that you need to love one another. You know, it was a commandment that actually goes all the way back to Leviticus. Uh, in Leviticus chapter number 19, the Bible says, uh, you shall not hate your brother in your heart you shall sure rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take advantage, or you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, the, even back in the commandments, in, in the law, we were told to love our neighbor. We need to be loving each other. Jesus went on, in uh, chapter, in, it's recorded in John chapter 13, beginning with verse 34. A new commandment I give you, but that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We need to be loving each other. And you know, it's easy to say, well, we need to love each other. Isn't that, isn't that easy to say? Oh, I love you. You know, it's an easy thing to say. You hear it all the time on all sorts of television programs. and You know, you see it everywhere. But then the question needs to be asked, well, what is love? Amen. Right? Amen. I mean, isn't that, how do you demonstrate love? How do you show love? It's easy to say, you need to show love. And I can stand up here and preach and preach. Oh, we need to show love. But then if we never, if we did not really understand how we showed love, then we'd just be in a mess. And you know what John's going to come back and say? How we show love is through truth. 
everything, as we say, it's all woven together here in this passage. Verse number six. This is love that, you, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. You know, you cannot truly love without walking in God's commandments. Someone that does not walk according to how God has told us to walk cannot truly love. John said the way you show love is by keeping his commandments. That's where we need to be. You know, as we look, look at how many commandments throughout the Bible really have to deal with how we love each other and how we care for each other and how we should treat each other. If you move all the way back to the, to the Ten Commandments, you know, it tells things like, you shall not steal. What are you doing when you steal? You're getting something from somebody, right? It's not loving them. If I come and take away what Charlie has, I'm not really showing much love to him, am I? Right? You shall not commit adultery. Again, that's a sin against someone. Right? As well as a sin against God. You shall not bear false witness. You know what? Really, if we want to get a... You shouldn't lie. Right? We need to make sure that we're not lying. You know, we just need to be truthful in all our dealings. Can I meddle just a little bit since it's this time of year? You know, I kind of I take that, that that don't only mean that I shouldn't lie to Tom. I shouldn't lie to Uncle Sam when I'm filling out my taxes. Go ahead and say amen or old me right there. Right? 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 You know what? We just need to do what's right. We need to do what's truthful. Uh, if we look, even Jesus, when the young rich ruler said, well, who is my neighbor? Right? And Jesus gives the story of the Samaritan that came through and helped the one that that needed help. He was showing us, demonstrating how we should care for each other. How, as the Bible tells us, we need to think more of others than we think of ourselves. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't think that we should degradate ourselves, but we need to consider other people's feelings. Here, the Bible deals so much with the commandments on how we should treat each other. But John does not stop there if you read the rest of his Gospels. If you flip back to 1 John and look in chapter 2, in 1 John chapter 2, he really gets tough. When it comes to loving God, it's all about us following his commandments. John goes so far that he doesn't say if you don't follow his commandments, you don't love him. He takes it one step further and he said if you don't follow his commandments, you don't even know him. Look in 1 John chapter 2 
and verse beginning with verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. You know what? That's tough, isn't it? That's tough. Because so many people today in America, well, I'm not going to say in America. Let's just say so many people today in Fannin County where we live. But let's get a little closer to home. So many people that claim to be members of Hemptown Baptist Church. People that are in my family and yours. Say, oh yes, I know God. I've trusted Him as my Savior. I know Jesus Christ. I'm saved. But never demonstrates that they have trusted Christ. Live like the devil. Never show up to worship Him. Never bear any fruit. Never follow His commandments. You say... David, are you saying that they don't know God? I'm saying John said. I'm saying the Bible said. Let's read that one more time. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments, what does the Bible say? Is a liar and the truth is not in him. You know, that's tough, isn't it? You say, goodness, you're hateful. No. I'm just trying to tell the truth. That's what the Bible says, right? Isn't that what the Bible said, Justin? Hmm? You know, for us, we need to realize we got to get serious about this thing. Let's go a little further. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. If we say we're abiding in Christ, we'll be living our life like Jesus lived his life. That's how. If we're keeping his commandments, his love will be perfected in our life. If we're keeping his commandments, people will see the love of Jesus in our life. Right? Isn't that what John said? That's it. Brethren, I write uh, no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. He goes on down in verse 5. He who says he is uh, in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. John even ties that back home. And he says, if you're not following the commandments of God, you don't even know him. If you say you know him and you're not following the commandments, you're just a liar. And then he comes back and he says, you say you're walking in the truth and you're holding a grudge against your brother? You're holding a grudge against somebody? You're missing it. Isn't that what John said? Isn't that what the Bible says? I tell you what, that's tough, isn't it? When it comes to this thing of truth and love. You know, in the within, within John's definition of Christian love. It's all tied in together with how we keep the commandments of God. It's there to have love. 
You must have truth. He goes on in 1 John chapter 5 and verse uh, 2. By this we know uh, that we love the children of God. For we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. You know, here, John ties in the, the truth and love. We can see the truth, the preamble, as, he, as we looked at last week. We see truth practiced. You know, for us, we practice truth when we keep His commandments. We can demonstrate our love for others by following God. That's how we do it. And we demonstrate our love for God by following His commandments. Let's go a little bit further. The truth protected in verse 7. The Bible says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to your, our, yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Let's look. John comes back, and we see as we begin looking at this, the truth protected, he begins to now proclaim about deceivers. And uh, it's the, we can see deceivers of the truth. We can see people that, have, that are trying to lead people away from the truth. John wants to give a warning. And if we look at where this is at, that word for in the Greek, when he says for, meaning to say, you know what he's trying to do? He's, it's really, we could say because. It's really a verse, a word that links this passage back to what he just said. We need to be showing truth and love because there's a lot of people out there that's not telling the truth and not loving and deceiving people. That's what he said. Because there's so many people trying to lead people away, we need to make sure we're doing it right. That's what he's saying. He said there's... The, uh, and many of these deceivers, where did they come from? They started in the church. For many deceivers have gone, have gone out into the world and do not confess Christ coming in the flesh. You know, here he specifically names one thing that they're doing to try to deceive people. In John's day, there were people that were denying the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. That's what they were doing. They were denying it. What they were saying was, oh, well, Jesus, he did come, but he really wasn't a man. He really wasn't a person. <laughs> they were denying that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And you say, how, did, how is that possible? I don't know, but I believe it. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus came in the flesh and died for us. But he, as we're taught in Philippians chapter 2, he laid down his, he humbled himself. He was 100% God, humbled himself, and became a man that he could die for us. 
There were people that were trying to deny the truth of Jesus. What did John say? He said, they're an antichrist. They're, this is a deceiver. This is one trying to lead people away. But he goes on in verse 8, and look at this. He said, look to yourselves. We need to look to ourselves to make sure we are following the truth. And then he pulls himself into this thing. He said that we do not lose those things we work for, that we may receive a full reward. He wasn't saying that he was going to lose all his reward. But John was identifying with this group of believers. And he was saying, if some of you fall away and are deceived, it's going to hurt my reward. You know, for us today, I think John's trying to tell us we need to be looking out for each other. Right? We need to be demonstrating this love. We need to be showing the truth to each other. Because if Skip falls away, and I just say, I'm glad he's gone. That's going to hurt my reward. Why? Because it's going to hurt the church. Right? Isn't this right? Isn't that what John's saying? He's not saying, well, you just go ahead and do what you want to. He said it's affecting all of us. You know, we got to be living this way. We need to be living in truth and in love so that because there are deceivers trying to pull people away, that it's not going to hurt the body of Christ. Let's go a little bit further. Verse 9. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. You know, we see not only the deceivers of the truth, we see the doctrine of the truth. The doctrine of Jesus divides truth and heresy or error. When someone comes and begins talking to you about some new religion or some new church, just go ahead and cut to the heart of the matter. Don't talk about what good they're doing. Don't talk about what good commercials they put on television. Don't talk about what kind of crowd they're having. Don't Just ask them one thing. What do you think about Jesus? Go ahead and cut to the heart of the matter and say, who do you think Jesus is? And from where they stand on Jesus will determine whether they're preaching uh, the truth or whether they're off in left field that you don't need to have anything to do with them. And let's go ahead. This is what John, he told them. He says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not love God. It all comes down to Jesus. And you know, if you go through, through every heresy in the world today, it really comes down to what do they think of Jesus? 
let's go ahead. You know, used to, folks would come, and I never had really thought about this much, and somebody, might have been Dan talking to me the other day when we was at the breakfast, and he said, yeah, used to, the somebody would come visit all the time, but now that I got that Hemptown Baptist sign in the front yard, it said, it's kind of cut up most of that visiting out, you know, but anyway. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that because I had a visit in a long time, like years. <laughs> but the last time, I mean, this, a Jehovah Witness came to my house. And he started, he said, oh, I see you. You, you must really care about God's creation because I see you're doing work out here in the yard and, you know, all this. And I, I thought, buddy, you're... Missing it because I'm behind, but he like. <laughs> but the thing, I thought, let's just cut to the chase. It has nothing to do with what I think of God's creation. Because there's a lot of people that are wanting to save the trees that have nothing to do with Jesus. Now, uh, we try to recycle and I try to watch and that sort of stuff, but that has nothing to do with Jesus, right? It's not going to affect my eternal security. And I just came down, and I just asked him right off the bat, I thought, I don't want to get sucked in. I just said, what do you think of Jesus? And when he said, well, he was the first of God's creation, I said, no, he's God himself. And I started trying to share some verses to show him that the Bible says, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He was saying the same thing that, the, that what God said to Moses in Exodus when Moses said, who do I need to say is sending me? He said, tell him I am. You know, for they've missed it. They're denying the doctrine of Christ. The Mormons, they've missed it. They may do a lot of great things. And they have a lot of promotion of family values and things that we should be taking the lead on. But they've missed it when it comes to Jesus. And that's the main thing is who Jesus is. Here, they're deceivers. Jesus, when he spoke in John chapter 14, the night before he was about to be crucified, can't you imagine that night? All the disciples, they know something strange is happening. They're in Jerusalem where they want to kill Jesus. I'm sure some of the disciples were even Afraid to go there. They just had the Lord's Supper. Jesus has just told them. Somebody's about to betray me. And it's one of y'all that are sitting here. eating with me. Going to betray me. And they leave. The last supper. And they begin to walk. To the garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> And Jesus could tell they're all upset. You know, during that time, 
John records what Jesus said on that walk to get there in the garden. He wanted to share the most important truth with him. What did he say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then Thomas comes back. Well, he said, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas comes back and says, wait a minute, Jesus. We don't know where you're going. And verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know, if anyone preaches salvation in any other name than Jesus, Jesus had to be either telling the truth or he, he, left, no, he left no wiggle room. He said it's through me or not at all. That's what Jesus said. Here, these people, we can see the, they try to deceive. We can see the doctrine of the truth that's about Jesus. And then look, here in verse 10, we can see the demonstration of truth. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. You know, here as we look, John is telling us that we do not need to support false teaching and false doctrine. You know, for us as Christians, we need to watch where we send our money and who we need to give things to. We don't need to support false teaching. And if we look really in the next letter, he writes in 3 John, in verse 5, he wrote to Gaius, in verse 5 through 8, he begins to talk to them about showing uh, hospitality to visiting missionaries and visiting pastors and, and, and uh, Christians that are proclaiming the gospel. And he tells them to show, uh, show hospitality to them and to help them along their way. But here he warns and says, you don't need to just be helping everybody just because you're a Christian. You don't need to be just promoting everybody's what they're doing. And there is a fine balance here because what John is trying to teach is not that we need to be hateful and spit at them and cuss them. That's not what he's teaching. We need to show them the same Christian love and kindness that we would to anyone else. But we just do not even need to give the appearance of us supporting what they're doing. And you know, for us, in our life today, that becomes difficult. Right? There was, I, I, can, I can say one thing as far as I kind of I can pretty much, I think, say this for sure. If someone that denied the name of Christ wanted to come up and say, you know, we want to start this ministry 
in the Hilltown area, and we'd like for you to support it. We'd like for you to, we'd like to partner with you and support this ministry. I pretty much say, I know that's wrong. Right? I would say that, I, you know, I'd say, no, we ain't going to have no parties. You know, a lot of this thing which people call ecumenical, you know, where they're trying to get all the religions together and stuff, and which it's coming one day, uh, after we, after we're gone from this world, there will be a one world religion. It's a politically correct thing to do now in America. You know, everybody's okay, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all gonna, uh, we're gonna be okay together. You know, you see these uh, signs on people's uh, bumper stickers that say coexist. I think Teresa put one on her car that says uh, contradict, right? I mean, isn't that, you know, isn't that right? Because, uh, you know, if, you, if you're preaching anything but Jesus, Jesus didn't have anything to do with everybody else, right? I mean, as far as, he said, I'm the only way. You're not, I mean, all these other things aren't going to get you there. But I can pretty much say that we don't need to come alongside some someone that does not proclaim the name of Christ because people would think, well, we're supporting that and we're saying we're validating that. But we're, it's tough. It's just like there's a lot of folks that just this past year at the inauguration, uh, Franklin Graham was asked to pray. Y'all know that? Anybody? Hmm, right? And I, you know, read things online. So there's a lot of people that uh, criticized him for doing that. And you say, why? <coughs> because there were other people that were asked to pray that did not proclaim the name of Christ. You know what it, you know, when you say, well, is with, with him, with him praying, with him being on the same platform as them, is, is it saying that he's validating what they're doing? You know, that was the controversy, which I don't think it was. You know, he was trying to proclaim the truth to a, on a national stage. And I, I think he did the right thing. But what I'm saying is in our life, there's things we have to deal with. Where we say, are we showing kindness to someone? Are we trying to <clears throat> validate them not proclaiming Christ? That's something we have to deal with every day, right? In everything that we do, even what, uh, even in the place we work, even uh, in our in our daily life. And I don't think there's a cut and dried answer. That's what makes it tough. Because it's easy when it's a cut and dried answer. This is what you need to do. But what we have to do, we have to fall down on our face before God and depend on the Holy Spirit to direct us. Right? We need to let God's, God's Spirit direct us on what we should do. You know, if we go on down verse number 12, we can just see John concluding the letter. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come and speak come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. You know, today, as we've looked at this whole thing through this letter of truth and love, 
really comes back to this. What are we doing in our life? Are we demonstrating love? You know the only way we can demonstrate love? Is by following the truth. Right? Following the commands of God. We need to be looking out for each other. We need to be loving each other. The first thing is, it'd be easy for me to say, yeah, Sam, let me tell you everything where you're missing it in the truth. But you know what I need to do first? I need to look at my own life. Say, God, where am I not following your commands? And when I demonstrate love by following God's commands, it's easier for those around me to follow God's commands. Are you demonstrating love today? Are you demonstrating the truth of God? Are you following His commands? We're going to have a time of prayer and a hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to you, I'd ask you to come. Maybe today. There may be someone you need to pray for. You just may need to pray. God, give me the grace. I would pray for this man. Give me the strength. Give me the courage to follow you. God, give me courage to stand up for the truth, for what's right. Not to fall into the political politically correct sphere of endorsing everyone. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray today. Lord, that in this place, Lord, we would preach the truth. God, we'd demonstrate love for others. God, not follow the truth. Lord, I just pray for each one that's here today. God, help us to love each other. Lord, that we'd love each other enough that we would follow your truth and follow your commands. God, we'd demonstrate our love for you. Lord, by following your commands. Lord, I pray that you'd work in this place. Lord, even as we leave this place, Others would see a difference in our life and be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.